Welcome to Absent Father Podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life, of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers that we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com or by email at me at rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. We got gravity by chance. Welcome to another episode of the Absent Father Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rodney Miller. Today we're going to talk about what I would say is the number one thing that is a distinguishing factor between people who are very successful and people who are kind of successful or not successful. And that sounds pretty serious, but it really is. And the way that it relates to those of us who grew up with an absent or distant father is that uh, we tend to not be very good at this. And the this that I'm talking about is joy and celebration. So the thing that got me thinking about this, I got to say, and it's, it's relevant because um, uh, I'm a sports fan, you know, we're in the middle of a football season. And for those of you that watch football, you might have found yourself um, in the middle of watching a game. It can really be any sport. But the idea is that uh, in football, for example, when uh, say that uh, you're a player on defense, you're watching the game, there's a player on defense, that player on defense uh, and that team, they're down big in the game. Like they're losing by 40 points. It's a blowout. And the person on defense uh, sacks the quarterback, which is kind of like, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with football, it's kind of like, you know, one of the biggest plays that you can have um, as a defensive player. Uh, and if you're really good at it, you know, if you're really good, like the best of the best, you might have 10 of these in a whole season, in a whole year. Um, and if you are really good in football, you know, maybe you last for five years. So, you know, over the course of your life, um, if you're really good, like the best of the best, uh, maybe you have 50 of these in your career. That would probably make you a Hall of Fame, uh, defensive player. Um, but I know that typically when I'm watching the game and I see that they're, this player is down by, you know, 40 points, like they're not going to win the game. They have basically totally sucked the entire game, uh, at least as, in terms of their team's performance. And then they, they sack the quarterback, they tackle the quarterback for a loss, and they celebrate like they just you know, did the greatest thing ever. Like they just won the world series and you're like, I don't understand this. Like, dude, it doesn't even matter. You're down by 40 points. Like why, uh, why are you celebrating? That just seems kind of inappropriate. But then I started to think about what's the difference between me and the person on that field. 
And one of the key differences is that that person on that field is of the highest performer, the highest performance. Uh, They are elite at what they do. And they work essentially 24-7 for their entire life up to this point in order to be able to do that one thing, which is to sack a quarterback in a professional game. Now, with the amount of work that they pour into this and the fact that even if they were like the best of the best, they get 10. And the truth is, you know, many a defensive players might have like zero sacks in a year, might have one, two, three, you know, you're getting good when you have maybe six. Uh, some of my football experts might push back on this, but I think I have the numbers pretty appropriate. So that person spends 24-7 preparing to do that one thing, and it culminates in that one moment. So I want you to imagine that you, uh, you know, the offseason for football starts in January, February, depending if you're in the playoffs. But let's say that it starts in February, and you get to the workroom, your schedule is, you know, you get to the weight room at 7 a.m., you know, you uh, eat the perfect protein recovery, uh, then you do your calisthenics and your yoga and then your game tape, um, and everything is oriented around your performing at the highest level for the upcoming season, which starts in September. Uh, so you do that February, day in, day out, March, day in, day out, April, May, training camp starts June. You're doing, you know, uh, the weight room, studying the film, learning the playbook day in, day out. Then you go to live practice in July and August where you're not only doing all the things that we already talked about, like the weight room and the film room, but now you're uh, putting your body on the line, hitting as hard as you can, then you're traveling, you're leaving your family, you go to preseason, you play five or six or seven games in September, October, you're hitting the ice room after the, after the game because your knee is swollen because you push it as hard as you could on the field and were in the equivalent of a couple of car accidents because you got hit in the head. So that's September, that's October. And then you get to November and you're in a game You have prepared this entire year, and we didn't even mention the past 20 years that got you to this very point. You're down by 40 points, and you sack the quarterback, which is, you know, know, one of your top 10 best moments of the year. And we would say, (laughs) us folks, especially, I'm telling you, if you grew up with an absent or distant father, we would probably say, no. You shouldn't celebrate. Your team's down 40 points. You don't deserve to celebrate. But what I want to suggest is that what they know and you don't know or what habits they have and we don't are they have to celebrate. They have to enjoy their success because without celebrating and acknowledging the things that you've accomplished, the things that you've worked hard for, Playing at a high level is unsustainable. Human beings, unfortunately, are not machines and are not robots. So part of high performance, part of 
being at your best level is having a healthy relationship to joy and celebration. Now, I remember about eight years ago, uh, shortly after I had started uh, my coach training program in accomplishment coaching, and this conversation about joy came up, and I really didn't know what I didn't really know what they were talking about. This conversation about celebration came up. I really didn't connect with it. I didn't really understand it. And the reason is, is because I had no relationship to celebration or joy. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was really impacting my ability to uh, stay motivated, to stay inspired, to be consistent. And so I started to look at my relationship to joy and to celebration. One of the first things that I realized, and I alluded to this in the last episode, but one of the first things that I realized is that um, uh, the only access point or space that I allowed myself joy uh, was when I was drinking, when I was drinking alcohol. And, of course, at the, by that point, I had also realized that I think I was, you know, I probably had a drinking problem at the time uh, in my early 20s in college and, you know, to around the age of 25. And um, I think in large part, the reason that I did was that, you know, I think a human being's natural state is joy and celebration. And so if we totally starve ourselves from any experience of joy or celebration, then it wants to come out in some way. Um, so for me, that was, you know, drinking to the point of kind of letting go of control so I could just be joyful. And that's that was mostly my experience was joy. And so while I beat the crap out of myself for uh, drinking too much, what was really happening is a, a, a hurt, numbed robot <laughs> was dying to experience some joy, and that was the only outlet that he had for it. Um, Other people do it in, you know, I also was interested in sports quite heavily, and, you know, that was an outlet to experience joy uh, when your team wins. Um, Also, for that matter, an outlet to experience sadness and anger uh, sort of displaced onto your team. But that's what I realized, that that was the only outlet for joy. And... As I look further, you know, I think why it relates to growing up with an absent or distant father is if you're like me, you know, sort of in the back of my mind, or if you were to ask me, you know, why don't you celebrate or why don't you enjoy, why don't you enjoy yourself, um, kind of the automatic answer would be, well, you know, there'll be time to enjoy and celebrate once I've made it or once I really have something worthy of celebrating. So in my mind, uh, you know, pretty much guaranteed whatever I accomplished, it still wasn't good enough or there was some reason that, you know, it wasn't worthy of celebration because apparently in my mind, celebration is very limited. You know, you can only celebrate, you know, when you, you know, win the Super Bowl or you, you know, you know, it's like these very limited peak moments, like, you know, two times in your life you're allowed to celebrate or something like that. So this idea that, you know, celebration and enjoyment or joy 
is only uh, reasonable to have when you've, quote unquote, made it, or, uh, which is really code for once we are good enough, once we are enough. And the problem is, um, when you, for many people, when you grow up with an absent or distant father, one of the things that you come away with is this perception of yourself or way of relating to yourself that whatever you do is never enough. Whatever you do is never enough. And so if whatever you do is never enough, then there's no opportunity for joy, no opportunity for celebration. Um, not only because it's not good enough, but also because you got to keep working. You don't have time to celebrate or enjoy. The problem is, is uh, number one is, it's really sad. <laughs> like, why do we work so hard? Why do we uh, put all this effort in? Why do we do life if there are no moments of joy and celebration? If there are no presence to what's great. Um, I think that for the most part, people uh, are trying to make money, are trying to create a family, are trying to move forward in life so that they can have ultimately an experience of peace, of joy, of celebration, of happiness. So number one is it's just really sad. Like imagine a life where, you know, imagine that same defensive player you know, doing that hard work day in and day out, day in and day out. And no matter how he did, no matter how his team did, you know, no matter if they won the Super Bowl or he had the best year ever, just never, ever experiencing any joy or celebration or play around that. So not only would that suck, but that leads me to the second point, which is it's actually not sustainable. One of the most common traits I see with the most successful people is that the more successful, and I, I have you observe this for yourself, the more successful they are, typically the better relationship they have to celebration and uh, joy. Uh, this whole work hard, play hard motto is about that. It's about work hard and to enjoy hard, to play and enjoy. Now, sometimes people use that to kind of like, you know, run this pattern of like, you know, working hard and being checked out to not working at all and then being checked out with maybe unhealthy ways of expressing joy. In my case, drinking too heavily. So that part I think is really important to notice is that, you know, if we relate to ourselves as never enough, and there's never time to, to enjoy or celebrate, that actually limits our ability to create the success and experience and joy that we want. So what I would uh, challenge you to do, and I'm really present to this at the end of the year, one of the things that I have all of my clients do, and basically anybody I can talk to, which now includes you if you're listening to this episode, is that one of the great opportunities to celebrate us and to celebrate our lives and to experience joy is when we come to the end of the year. So we're coming to the end of the year now. Um, and if you're listening to this and, you know, after the new year, doesn't matter. Celebrate what you've achieved in the last 12 months of your life. And one of the first ways I like to start that is to actually, you know, write down 
every single win or accomplishment, every little bit of growth, both professionally, uh, personally, um, and these are also tangible things, you know, like, oh, you know, you made more money or you got that promotion or you met your, your soulmate. But also the intangible ways of growing. You know, I forgived so-and-so. I, um, you know, grew in my confidence. I became a more effective storyteller this year. Like, whatever uh, tangible and intangible accomplishments there are. So make a list of those. Make a hundred of them. There's at least, for everybody, there's definitely a hundred wins and accomplishments and areas of growth that you've had in the last 12 months. And then go celebrate it. You know, consider that letting go of the idea that you weren't enough and that there's really something here for you to celebrate. And when I say celebrate, uh, it can be anything, you know, toast a glass of champagne. It can be doing a happy dance in your office. It can be uh, giving yourself something nice or treating yourself as a reward or an acknowledgement of the great work that you've done. Um, And the other thing is, the last thing I would leave you with in this episode is just to look at what are some ways that you could practice more joy, practice more play in your life. Um, That never enough voice probably isn't going away. So the question is, how could we practice enjoying the moments as they come uh, when there is something to celebrate, like sacking the quarterback, something that you only do a few times a year? Regardless of the circumstances or what, you know, your voice tells you is reasonable or not reasonable, celebrate it. Even if it's uncomfortable, celebrate it. Even if people think it's unreasonable for you to celebrate, celebrate it. That's all for today. Again, this is the Absent Father podcast. I'm Rodney Miller. Please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear your questions, your comments, your ideas. Uh, You can learn more about me at www.rodneymuller.com or you can email me at me, M-E, at rodneymuller.com as well. Uh, Also, if you'd like to support the show, if you'd like uh, the right people to hear this and you think that it would support some people that are out in the world, uh, please rate and review the podcast. It lets iTunes know that it's something that should be featured, something that we should should be shown and ultimately uh we'll get into the uh into the ears of the people that need to hear this show again i appreciate your support very much and until next time